Happy Mother's Day. I'm glad you're here this morning. It's a beautiful day. I am excited to share this message with you because I know that God had put this message on my heart. So if you have your Bible this morning, please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you would turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. We'll also have the scriptures projected on the screen for you. We'll start with verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. <clears throat> Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. It's meaningful this Mother's Day to think about Hannah, Samuel's mother, and how she dedicated Samuel to the Lord, how she brought him to the temple. It says in the Bible when he was weaned. And um, people estimate that in that day, in that culture, it was probably when Samuel was between two and four years old. And it, important to note in the first verse it says the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord the boy so when God called Samuel and when God spoke to Samuel Samuel was still a child and God gave Samuel his first assignment I'm just going to paraphrase that for you but it was a tough first assignment God told Samuel to tell Eli, who is the priest he was mentoring under, to tell Eli that severe judgment was going to come to Eli and to his family. Not a very easy first assignment, was it? And he gave it to him while he was still yet a child. Let's continue on with verse 19. This is the end of the chapter. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to peer at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all of Israel. In order for Samuel to hear God's voice, Eli was a crucial part of the equation. He had to believe 
that God would speak to a child. Now, when I've read this story before, you know, many times in years past, I was actually a little critical of Eli. Like, this is Bible times. God speaks to people in Bible times. And it wasn't until the fourth time that Samuel heard God's voice that he said, I'm your servant. I'm listening. It took Eli that many times, a priest training up Samuel to realize, I'm not talking to you. Hmm, maybe God is. However, as I thought recently more about this passage, and I thought about it this way, and maybe you could as well. If you're a parent of young children, and your child comes in late at night, and you're sleeping, and they wake you up, and, and they say, Mom, Dad, you called me. I mean, obviously, our first response would be, Honey, you're dreaming. We did not call you. It's okay. You're just, you're just having a dream. Go back to bed. They come in the second time, the third time, the fourth time. When would you say, I'm not calling you. You know what? I think God is calling you. Say, I'm your servant. I'm listening. Speak to me. It would take us a while, wouldn't it? I know it would have taken me a while before I meditated on this passage. And again, it's easy to say, but, but this is Bible times. God spoke to people in Bible times. But actually, as we see in the third chapter, it says that the word of the Lord was rare and there weren't many visions during this time. And in Joel chapter 2, it speaks of our time in the church. And it says in our time that God will pour out his spirit among us in such a way that our sons and daughters will prophesy and they will see and, and receive visions from the Lord. Well, in order to prophesy, we need to hear his voice, right? So really, there, there isn't, we can't use that as an excuse because the word says that in our time, in our time, God will speak to our children. So we need to believe that our children can and will hear God's voice. And we need to believe that God has created each of our kids uniquely, that he has placed giftings and callings upon them, and that they are incredibly valuable to the kingdom of God. A couple months ago, um, I was putting to bed our two oldest daughters, and our routine is usually to do their God time card, which is our devotion that we do, given to us through Club 252 and here at church. And then um, we usually have some talk time, and, and each girl gets a minute of snuggle time with mom. Well, for a five and an eight-year-old, the minute goes a little longer, right? Can you just keep tickling my back? Can you tell me a story? Well, as we were nearing the end of that process, uh, my oldest daughter said to me, Mom, I don't know for sure that God exists. You know, I just don't know if I really believe if he, if he exists, if he's for real. I, I don't know. And she had said that to me actually a year or two uh, prior to that as well. I believe it was a year prior. And a year prior when she said that to me, I didn't show my frustration. I didn't show 
my negative emotions because I always want my kids to be able to come to us with the tough stuff. But I remember just, you know, feeling kind of down and thinking, God, ever since she was a baby, we have been praying for her. We've been reading her the word. We've been getting her to church, worshiping with her, even taking her out evangelizing with us. Are you kidding me? Really? <laughs> you know, and I was just kind of negative about it. And I didn't show that to her, but I think I, I said a prayer with her. However, I know looking back, it wasn't a faith-filled prayer. And I said something about, well, everyone just needs to experience God on their own. Everybody needs to have a God encounter. So I said the right thing. And I think I prayed after, but I really didn't believe. And this time, a couple months ago, when she said that to me, you know, I just had peace in my heart. And I said to her, but I meant it. I believed it this time. I said, you know, Omarissa, that's okay. Because each of us needs to experience God before we can know that we know that we know that he's for real. So that's okay. Let's just pray together. Let's pray that in the next couple of weeks, God will reveal himself to you in a way that you can know for sure he's for real. Let's just believe that. We just prayed a simple prayer, and I just went to my bedroom afterwards and knelt down beside my bed, and, and I prayed again, but there was no fear or anxiety. There was really a sense of, hey, I'm looking forward to hearing this story. God, I know you want to reveal yourself to her. So I'm just going to look forward to hearing the story and when it happens. And then a couple weeks later, <clears throat> she gets up early in the morning, around 6 or a little before, and I was up, and she and I were the only two up and uh, awake in the house at that time. So we were just sitting in the living room on a chair, snuggling together and talking, and I really wasn't thinking anything about this prayer, what we were believing for. Um, and she said, Mom... Yesterday, at school and on the bus, God revealed himself to me. And I know that he's for real. I know he is. And, and she's a very honest, very frank. You know, I could just tell that this was for real. And she said, I went to the bathroom stall in the morning yesterday at school, and I prayed. I could tell it was, she's prayed before, but I could tell this was a prayer like, God, I need to know. She said, I prayed, and he revealed himself to me. He did. I know he's for real. And it was just through a series of precious, cute little things at school, but God touched her heart, and she knew that she knew that she knew. And I believe that this time, just like Eli played a role in Samuel hearing God's voice, that my faith played a role in Amarissa experiencing God. And what I like about that story is, as we know, Eli was not Samuel's father. He was the priest under whom he was mentoring. So this message is not just for parents and your children. You can be this person. You can believe for other kids. And not only for other kids, but for other people. You see, this message, as God had begun, um, had begun to stir this message in my heart months ago, he showed me it's, it's really not just for moms, not just for parents, but it's for everyone. Because God wants every one of his kids 
to believe these truths and to impart them to others, to everyone you come into contact with. And these are the truths. To believe that we can and we will hear God's voice. To believe that God has uniquely created us and that we are extremely valuable to his kingdom. We can't impart those beliefs to our kids if we don't first believe them about ourselves. Now, I want to take a moment just to talk about the word impart, about impartation. It's a biblical concept. It's seen in a number of different scriptures. And I looked up in the Webster Dictionary its definition. And it says to bestow a share or portion of, to allow another to partake in, But what really helped me to understand was the example sentence the Webster Dictionary gave, and it it is this. The sun imparts warmth. Well, obviously the sun can't impart warmth if it itself weren't hot. And you can't impart these truths to your children if you don't first believe them about yourselves. So you need to say, I can hear God's voice. I was created by God, and he has a special and important plan for me. So how do we, how do we increase our faith? Because we need to believe. Eli needed to believe. I needed to believe. You need to believe. God says the work of God is this, is to believe. It's to believe. So how do we increase our faith? How do we believe? through getting in the word, right? So this morning, we're just going to look real quick at a few scriptures that I know will strengthen your faith as they strengthened mine. If you have your Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians 3.18. 2 Corinthians 3.18. And it says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And we, who with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory. We all reflect his glory. Say, I reflect God's glory. As I was thinking about the scripture, I just so happened to think of prisms. This is a prism. And as you know, Prisms reflect sunlight, right? I looked, and there's many different types of prisms, and each different type of prism reflects the sunlight differently according to its type. We, each of us, are unique, and we each reflect God's glory differently. You don't need to turn there. I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. But in Psalm 139, it talks about where God created us in our mother's wombs. And it says that he knit us together. Knitting is an intricate process. It's not like God just snapped his fingers and bam, there you were. Knitting takes time. And the Amplified Bible, which just goes a little bit deeper into the meaning, talks about um, it was as if we each were a beautiful tapestry. And He chose these different vivid colors to intricately weave us together. And as he was doing that, 
It says in Psalm 139 that he wrote out the days of our lives for us. And he placed within us the giftings and the callings that we would need according to his plan. Jeremiah 1.5 also talks about this. You don't need to turn there because we're going kind of quick. It'll be on the screen. But I'm going to read Jeremiah 1.5 to you. And it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew and approved of you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I separated and set you apart, consecrating you, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew it and I approved of you. Isn't that concept kind of hard for us to, to, to grab hold of? But we have to remember that we're not God. And it says his ways are higher. Our thinking is limited. But what this says is that no one is a mistake. No one. Because even if the circumstances surrounding your conception weren't great, or maybe you were conceived out of wedlock, or maybe someone you, you heard someone say, oh, that was a mistake. It's not a mistake. God knew you before. Beforehand, and he approved of you, and he had a good plan for you. There are two other scriptures that talk specifically about people receiving their callings, their giftings, their callings in the womb. And why is this important to think about? I believe because it shows us a beautiful picture of God's grace. See, that babe in the womb has done nothing to deserve or to earn a calling or a gifting. It shows God's grace. And God is no respecter of persons. So one calling or, or gifting, one person's plan, is not greater than another person's plan. We're all equally important to the kingdom of God. And to move forward, the kingdom needs all of us. You may be thinking, that's great, but I've screwed it up. <laughs> God may have like written this beautiful story for me, but I've messed it up. Jesus refers to himself in the word as the author and the perfecter of our faith. He knew we would all mess up to one extent or another. And that's why he said, I'm the author, but I'm also the perfecter. So you mess up and in ways that we cannot understand. He will get us back in, on track and the outcome can be even greater when you commit yourselves to him. He is the author and the perfecter. And when, when we look at our children or when we look at ourselves and it's difficult for us to believe these truths because so often we look at ourselves and we see our weaknesses, we see the areas where we're still struggling with sin, where we haven't conquered it yet. We see our, um, or possibly not only self-reflection, but others point out our annoying habits, what have you. And we can meditate on that so much for ourselves and for our kids. Because, of course, we want to train them up. If they're being disobedient, if they're being slack in an area or lazy, you, you want to point it out lovingly and train them up. 
But the temptation is to get so focused on that that we forget that we were created, each of us, by God. And he has placed giftings and callings upon each of us. So we cannot forget that. I want to read to you um, just a little bit out of this book. This book, it's entitled Children in the Holy Spirit. It was written by the children's pastor of uh, the church that we actually attended years ago in Minneapolis. And he asked a question. He asked a question of Pastor Willie George, and that is a pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um, he's some, most of you may not know him, but he really, years and years ago, he just pioneered the way in many aspects in children's ministry. And long before many ministries really valued kids, he was out there valuing children. So this pastor asked, Pastor Willie George, this question. And he says, why is it so hard for parents to believe that their own children can step out into the supernatural and be used in the gifts of the Spirit? And he writes in parentheses, many times I had more faith in their children than they did. This seemed odd to me. I never forgot what Willie said. It's because most parents know their children after the flesh. Wow, now I understood. Even Jesus could not do mighty works in his hometown. And that's scripture. It says in scripture that Jesus went to his hometown and he could not do mighty works. Why? Because they knew him after his flesh. They had no understanding of the call of God on his life or the gift of God in him. Mom and dad, don't look at your children after the flesh. Look for the gift of God in them. Some of your children are called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors. Some of your kids are called to be outstanding businessmen and women, bringing Jesus into the workplace. I don't know what the call is, but the the bottom line, the most important thing, is to believe, and not just for them, but for yourselves as well. Now, the flesh, that's a term, it it refers to, for us, our ability to sin, our weaknesses. For Jesus, we know he lived a perfect life. He never sinned. Fully God, fully man. Yet, as we think of him as a kid growing up, we can't think of him as like this superhero. He was still fully man. And though he never sinned, The word said he was tempted in every way like we are. That means he had to go through stuff like we go through stuff. So maybe as a kid, and and this isn't that great of an example because I didn't research the the type of sport the kids played in in that day and age, but just for the sake of an example, if you were to to think of Jesus as a boy on on a baseball team, Maybe he struck out. Maybe it was the big game, right? And it was all on him, and he struck out, and people got mad at him. Maybe because he was listening so much for the voice of the Father and listening for wisdom that he was kind of quiet as a kid. I don't know, but possibly. So maybe when he came back, people thought, that's just that shy kid who struck out at baseball all the time. They didn't receive from him. 
But see, we can do that to ourselves, and we can do that to our kids, and we can do that to others. So we can't ignore our weaknesses, but we have to keep first and foremost in mind the call of God, the calls and the giftings that he has placed on each one of us. And as I said earlier, Jesus said, the work of God is this, to believe. And believing doesn't happen just like that. It actually is work. Because society, ourselves, sometimes, as you know, we're our greatest enemy at times. Other society can just beat us down. The message in the world that we live in is if you are not beautiful, if you're not rich, if you don't have a talent that is visible, then you're just ordinary. That's the message that we receive day in and day out. That's the message our kids continually receive. So in order to counteract that, we need to spend time in the Word. When I'm feeling down about myself, I know I've cut it to get to the Bible and say, God, remind me again, what do you say about me? What do you say about me? And then I'll look up a few scriptures, and I'll write them down, and I'll speak them out loud, and I'll say, no, this is who I am. This is who I am. We need to do that for ourselves, and we need to do that for our kids. Because I know at times, you are just, I'm just annoyed with my kids at times, right? It's like, oh. (laughs) And at times, I love them so much. I always love them. But through all of that, what keeps us steadfast and steady is that belief, is that belief, is knowing. We walk by faith and not by sight. Bow your heads in prayer with me. God, we just come to you this morning, and I thank you for this opportunity just to speak your word, your truths. I pray, God, that each of us today would receive these truths at a greater, at a deeper level than we ever have before, and that it would be a catalyst for change in our lives. I pray that each of us would make the decision to believe, that we would not listen to our emotions, that we would not listen to others or society, but we would believe what your word says about us. I pray, God, that we would do the work necessary to keep believing, to go to you and just say, God, I'm feeling down right now. God, I'm looking at my child and I love him or her, but wow, I I just can't see how you have a great call right now. Help me. And God, Holy Spirit, bring those scriptures to mind. It's a choice to believe. And then it's the, it's the work to continue to get in the word, to remind yourself of those truths. As the word says, we are to encourage and to build up ourselves in the word. I pray, God, that we would do that. And right now I ask, if there be anyone in this room who does not know Jesus personally, but who wants to. Salvation is for everyone. And it's a decision. It's a decision saying, 
I accept Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. And I invite him, I receive him into my heart. And you will never be the same. You will never be alone. He will be with you always. And I'm asking you to stand because we don't need to be ashamed of our commitment to God. We don't need to fear what others think. Pastor Ryan has set forth a culture in this church of being real. And when we're real, there's freedom. So this is a safe place. So I just ask you now in boldness and in courage, if you don't know Jesus personally, he is knocking at the door of your heart this morning. I ask you to stand and to say, yes, I want to live for him. I want to know him personally. I want to be able to hear his voice. And God, I believe that as we continue to believe more and become more and more confident in who we are in you, that we will invite those who do not know you to church so that they too can know who they are in you. Father God, I just pray a blessing over each and every person here today. I pray, God, that they would see you on this special Mother's Day and that we would enjoy the rest of our day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand? The critical part when Hope preached that part about not being a mistake. Mm-hmm. Somebody and some here needs to hear that. Would you, would you bow your eyes or bow your, bow your heads, close your eyes? Um, it says where the spirit of the Lord is, bondages are broken. But that song, Amazing Grace, it breaks off the issues of life that you may have been captured by for, for years. And here's the lie. The lie would tell us circumstances surrounding our birth or our upbringing, the verbiage that comes at your mind, it's straight from the pit of hell. It says that you are a mistake. Now, I want you to be real in this moment. I want you to picture yourself in the loving arms of your dad in heaven. Some of you may have had dads or parents that, that weren't so loving. Moms that weren't so loving. Some of you may want to be a mom. And there's barrenness there. Some of you, this is one of the hardest days of the year for you. Some of you don't know how to honor your mom. The Holy Spirit is talking to you right now with heads bowed, eyes closed. You don't have to stay stuck there anymore. You're not a mistake. That lie... that came in when you were just a a child has dominated you for a long time and it it needs to end. If you're children of that lie and there's, there's adults and children in here that I believe that the Lord wants to talk to about that. Here's the truth. Are you ready for this? For all of you, here's the truth. You were born for a purpose. 
when God gives a precedent in the Bible like he did to Jeremiah and called him a prophet to the nations, I need you to insert yourself into that story. You are called. Each and every one of you. That is the truth. The culture out there will tell you otherwise, but in this house and in this place, I'm telling you the truth. The Spirit of God says you have purpose. You were designed for greatness. Whether you believe that or not, believe it now. That's the message that hope just preached. We're going to sing Amazing Grace. And and for those aspects that you're dealing with, you want those bondages broken, I want people to come to this altar and I'm going to pray over you right now as we sing Amazing Grace. Come. Come now. Father, we we ask right now, I, I know that there's internally in, in people in this room there's some fear oh what if my parents know that I'm, I've struggled with this if you're a parent and you have children in this auditorium or you're a child I want you to understand this if you can't come down here don't miss this moment it needs to open a dialogue communication where there's been dark places if you've been sweeping stuff under the shadows with your moms your parents This is the moment to pray that prayer. You don't have to come. I'd like you to come for you, not for me, for you. But if you don't want to come, I understand. There's no condemnation in Christ. But here's what I will say. When I pray this prayer over you, this needs to be dealt with. And you need to have honest communication, mother to child, child to father. If it's permissible and it's there, you do that. Some of you don't have that opportunity. Some of you may have had parents that have died and you've never made peace with that. Maybe you've gone to that grave site. I don't know. We'll pray over that. But these bondages that people carry, they take them into these holidays and it, and it, it just eats at them. And it just eats at them. And you know what? God says we don't have to live there. So please bow your heads and pray with me. Father, thank you for Hope's message that you spoke through her. I ask God right now that there is an anointing that hits everyone across this aisle here that that is dealing with these issues here, that, that you're dealing with. Lord, I break off that spirit of rejection. It's a spirit. It lies to people. It tells them that they're not worthy, that they're a mistake. It's a lie straight from the pit of hell. I ask God that you break that and tell them the truth of your word, that they are dearly loved of their Father in heaven. And that you are the comforter of those who are wounded. Lord, like a surgeon, I ask that you take the wounds that that all of us at, at some point, in some place, we are dealing with. God, you would begin to speak to the wound and close it. Scars may come, but that wound is closed. In Jesus' name, I command every spirit of fear that would try to come against your people here today. I bind it in Jesus' name. And I loose the power of God over their hearts and minds. Lord, I'm asking you to open their eyes to believe the truth. The truth is, every person in this place has purpose. I ask God that you position them to see where they hurt and deal with it. Taking a step to deal with it. Let's get honest. Let's get real. Let's deal with these issues, these 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 problems that we've had from growing up as, as children and, and, and virus, like a virus, it just it keeps us from, from really hearing what you're trying to say to them. 
And I speak that truth over them. The Word of God says that they can be, as Jeremiah was, a prophet to their country, a prophet to their neighborhoods, a prophet to their church folks, a prophet to the people that are around them in the workplace, that when, when you say prophet, you're basically saying to us that we can be your mouthpiece, that we can say the places that were dead in us have now been resurrected, that new life is coming through, new life is coming through. All of a sudden, everyone we touch, what was once lost is now found, the things that were broken are now fixed, and they look at us and go, there must be a God. I thank you, Father, for the anointing. It is the only thing we've got. Culture desperately needs to see the power of God. And I believe the foolish things of this world, the people that are willing to get honest about their issues and ask for real significant change by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, when they begin to see that and people in our culture get honest about our issues, things will change. This, I declare, by the power of Jesus Christ, and everybody said, Amen. You may be dismissed. Happy Mother's Day. God bless you. We'll see you next week.